Casey, the anchor holds, sister. Amen. And I am so thankful that we all know the wonderful blessings that come when we hold on to that wonderful anchor. Well, today we're going to continue, actually, our Christmas series uh, that is entitled The Christmas Touch. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that Christmas is a time to touch our neighbors. Before I begin, I want to share a story with you about one Christmas season where a teacher named Janet, who knew? A teacher named Janet was teaching her first graders about Christmas customs all over the world, and she saw it as a great opportunity to share about the true Christmas story. So Janet began to explain about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem for the census, and she explained about how they arrived there and that it was time for the baby Jesus to be born. And so they needed somewhere to spend the night. Well, when they went to the inn, as you know, there were no empty rooms. And Janet began to compare the inn to modern-day hotels and motels. And so as Janet was leading up to the stable scene, she asked the question, and what do you think was behind the inn? And one little boy frantically raised his hand and said, a swimming pool? <laughs> that little boy had never heard the true Christmas story. And as humorous as that story is, it does speak a very sad truth. It tells us that the Christmas story is becoming less and less a part of our culture. I think that we would all acknowledge that it's easy to miss the important things during Christmas time. For many who first hear the true Christmas story, the message is entirely new. All this time, they thought Christmas was all about gifts and decorations and parties and a couple days off work. We, too, can get caught up in all the trappings of secular Christmas. We can get caught up in the decorating and the shopping and the gift wrapping and the cooking and the vacationing and we can miss celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. So before you and I can expect others to experience the true meaning of Christmas, we got to get it right ourselves. Before we can expect others to celebrate and experience the true meaning of Jesus' birth, we got to start focusing on it ourselves. Because listen, y'all, it's all about Jesus. Anything outside of Jesus is purely secular and has no true meaning to the real truth of Christmas. You see, we as believers, 
We celebrate Christmas as a time of how God touched us. That song sang about it, Casey, about how he reached out of the glory of heaven to touch us, to make a difference in us. We celebrate how God touches our heart, how God touches our soul. We celebrate how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We celebrate how Jesus has touched us and changed us profoundly. But today, we're going to see that Christmas is also a time to show how that same touch can affect people around you. How it can affect others around you if you will let it. Using the familiar passage from Luke chapter 2, that's on page 905 in the Bibles in front of you. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we're going to examine three touches from God. Three touches from God that, that can really show God's love to others. And it's told as the Bible story, the birth of Christ, unfolds for us in Luke chapter 2. So if you would follow along with me and let me just share a couple of verses with you. In verse 1, Luke writes, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, his engaged wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. As we look at the three touches of God that unfold in this narrative, I want you to first see how God touches us through his story. How God touches us through the history of humanity. You see, it was time. It was time to be counted. We can trust this account of Luke because the author Luke is very careful to give us both historical and chronological truths about the birth of Christ. The birth of Jesus happens in a very real place at a very real place in time. The Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, said, it's time for a count. And every family had to return to their hometown for this worldwide census. It intrigues me that God used the events of human history to offer his greatest gift to humanity. But not only was it time to be counted, it was also not time for no new taxes. 
How many of you remember August the 18th, 1988? Most of y'all weren't even born yet, amen? But on that date, there was a presidential candidate by the name of George H. Bush who campaigned on this promise. Read my lips. No new taxes. He got elected, and guess what happened? New taxes, amen. But Caesar Augustus made no such promise. He basically used the census as a tool for his own internal revenue service. Now that reminds me of a businessman who was on his deathbed, and he was speaking to his friend named Bill, and he said, Bill, promise me that when I die, you will have me cremated. And Bill said, okay, what should I do with your ashes? And the businessman said, just mail them to the IRS and write on the envelope, here, now you have everything. <laughs> Amen. Well, it was tax time again in the Roman Empire. But it's intriguing to me that even through something as fun as paying taxes, God touches us. God touches all mankind through his story. But this leads us to the second touch that we can observe at Christmas time because God also touches us all in our own hometown. Read it with me again there in verse 3. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, to his own hometown. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child. See, they weren't married, yet she was with child. Now we know that that child was a child of God. But it was time. It was time to go home. Problem was, where they went wasn't really home. But because Joseph was of the line of David, he was called by the Roman law to return to the town where his family had grown, that town called Bethlehem. Now, this trip to Nazareth from Bethlehem was about 80 or 90 miles. It's a pretty good distance, depending on which way they went. And so, if they were to cover 25 or 30 miles a day, then it was going to take no less than four days. Of course, if one of you is eight and a half months pregnant, well, then it may take a little longer, amen? So what do you think? Would it be doable? Could you make 90 miles in four days if you're pregnant? Some of you can't make it four days when you're pregnant without traveling 90 miles, amen? And I can understand why. But maybe, maybe if you had a donkey for Mary to ride on, then you might could make it in that time. What do you think? But there actually may not have been a donkey. There's 
Nowhere in the scriptures that says that Mary rode on a donkey. Only tradition says that they had an animal to ride on. And so it was just as likely that both of them walked the whole way. But either way, donkey or afoot, this was a very long and very dangerous and very strenuous journey. But finally, they arrived in Bethlehem, and y'all, I just got to tell you, it was time. It was time to rest. When they arrived in Bethlehem, apparently Motel Row was in utter chaos. It seems that the manager of the local Motel 6 forgot to leave the light on. Amen. So many people had come into town to register for the census, and everybody was booked up. And here is poor Mary and Joseph, desperately just needing a place to stay. They needed a warm bed and a roof over their head, maybe a slice of cheese and some bread. You know, those things that me and you take for granted. But all the hotel signs were flashing in neon red. No vacancy. There was not a single bed available in Joseph's hometown. And so that leads us to a third touch that I believe we should notice at Christmas time. Not only that God touches us all through his story and through our own hometowns, but God touches others through our hospitality. In verse 6, we're reminded so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the inn. You see, it was time. It was time to give birth. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary and Joseph to arrive in Bethlehem after this long, dangerous, strenuous journey only to find out, oh my heavens, this is the night that my baby is coming. I mean, really, it was no time to have a baby. Although it's his hometown, in all reality, they're really out of town. There's no support system. They're very alone. They have no place to stay. But I want you to remember something. God is the father of this child. God always makes a way, Casey. He always makes a way. And so while it was time to give birth, we also find that it was time. It was time for some compassion. It was time for some grace. I want you to consider this innkeeper with me for a moment. First of all, there has been, never been, so much attributed to a person who has never been mentioned in Scripture. Think about it. There's no innkeeper mentioned in the Bible anywhere. But we can presume that there is one because there was an inn and somebody directed them to the stable. 
But this innkeeper is often portrayed in one of two ways. This innkeeper is either that insensitive villain, that mean-spirited, grumpy old man who slams the door in their face, or he's that sensitive hero, that gentle and kind-hearted man who really is just a victim of circumstances beyond his control. But in all reality, you and I have no idea what happened at this point, but I want to tell you what I'd like to think. I'd like to think that that innkeeper kind of came to their rescue. I know that he could have ignored the situation, ignored them, ignored their needs, he was obviously very busy. I mean, the inn was packed. It was full. But it seems that this innkeeper, whoever he was, at least makes an effort. Apparently, this innkeeper saw the need, came to the rescue, and offered some degree of hospitality. Now, we also need to know that, that all inns had to have a shelter for the animals, for the travelers that came in. Most times the shelters were caves that were outside of town, but many times there were actually structures that were somehow attached to the inn where the travelers could stow their, their animals. But it seems here that Mary and Joseph have been directed to that shelter where it would have been a little smelly. Amen? It would have been pretty smelly, but at least it would have been somewhere private, except for the animals. Ladies, can you imagine giving birth while a cow was watching you? I'd like to think this innkeeper thought of our offering scripture today, Proverbs 19, 17, that says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. You see, friends, what you do for others is in all reality something you're doing for God. What you do for other people is essentially a kindness to God. When we give of ourselves to people who are in need, we're giving to God. And so the owner of the Bethlehem B&B, the bread and, bread and breakfast, amen, that's, I got food on the heart, amen. Bed and breakfast, amen. He didn't realize it, but his response to Mary and Joseph, he was actually ministering to the Lord Jesus because Jesus would give birth that day. You know, for us, we have to realize that Christmas is a time to make room for others in our lives. Christmas is a time 
for you and I, especially as believers, to make room for others in our lives. It's a season where we're the most gift conscious of all year long. And that's a great thing because gifts are expressions of love. Jesus was the greatest gift and therefore the greatest expression of love. But man, that crazy holiday chaos, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, how can it be that a time that's meant to be such a great expression of love is characterized with so much busyness, exhaustion, and confusion? How can it be? But friend, I want you this year to look at those around you. Look at that part of the world that God has given you to minister in. There are people hurting all around us. Some are suffering with depression you could never understand. Some are alcoholics. Some families have problems with drugs in their families. Some are dealing with parents with Alzheimer's disease or dealing with some terminal illness. That's why El Raposo is so important. To us. Too many are struggling with abuse, violent domestic abuse. That's why safe place is so important to us. Many others are facing a broken relationship, perhaps even divorce. Some have lives that are complicated with runaway teens. Others have children with severe psychological problems. And others are just flat out bitter skeptics who just need to be shown a little love. The bottom line is this, y'all. People around us need us. They may not say it. In fact, they may fight it tooth and nail. They may treat you like dirt. But people around us, man, do they need us. They need a touch from us. They need to, to know that we are providing them a, a channel whereby the healing grace of God can minister to them. Christmas is a time for you and I to make room in our lives for others. But it's also time. It's a time to be light in our community. To be light. I mean, would you not agree with me that Christmas is a great time to start behaving like a Christian? Say amen if you believe that one. Boy, that one chewed on me all week long. 
Christmas is a great time for me to start behaving like I'm a Christian. Wow. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 that we are to let our Christian love be without hypocrisy. Ouch. Thank you, Paul. To be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Then he wrote to another church as if that one wasn't enough. And he says, as you have the opportunity, do good to all. Say all. That's everybody. Do good to all but especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's time to remember that you and I are called to be the light in our community. And all we need to give is the love of Jesus. That may manifest itself in material things. It may manifest itself in a meal but it's going to manifest itself most of all in compassion and love and empathy for what they're going through. Something that really has weighed heavy on my heart this week is that God made room in his heart for me. God loved the world so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for me and for you. But I was being selfish this week. It was all about me, amen. But God made room in his heart for me. And so I've grown to understand this week that it's time for me to make room in my life for others like God made room in his heart for me. Now, there are many ways that we can do it. Maybe if you have a particular neighbor or a particular friend that has been weighed on your heart, maybe you can take them some cookies, amen, or some banana pudding. You really want to get them good, take them some banana pudding, amen. It can even be store-bought. It don't matter. But in, attach an encouraging Bible verse to it. We're going to be putting flesh to this message following our Thanksgiving meal. We're going to take some meals out to some folks. We're going to offer to-go plates because maybe you have a neighbor and you'd like to take a meal to your neighbor, to a friend, to somebody that you know of that's struggling. Man. Bethel meals on wheels and a prayer? What a way to provide the Christmas touch. Maybe you want to invite them to our Christmas program coming up December the 15th. It's going to be a great day at Bethel Baptist Church on the 15th. Invite them. No catch. Just come on. Enjoy the program. Rest and relax and be blessed. Maybe you can ask them how you or our church can pray for them this Christmas. 
Maybe you can uh, find out if there's anyone in their family that has a need we might be able to fill. But I want to encourage you this Christmas to spend time with unbelievers. I was struck in my daily devotions this week by how much time Jesus spent with unbelievers. In fact, that's the reason he came, was for unbelievers. And he hung out with the lepers and the tax collectors and the, the whores and the, the unbelievers and the sinners. Why? Just to give them a little Christmas touch. A little touch from God. Spend time with unbelievers. Don't become weary. Keep doing good. It's my prayer that we will touch the hearts of our neighbors, touch the hearts of our friends, touch the hearts of our co-workers, touch the hearts of family members, point them to Jesus. Because he's the greatest gift of all. Friends, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you a couple questions today. Like that innkeeper, can you see him? He saw the need, kind of came to the rescue, provided a certain degree of hospitality for this couple who was preparing to give birth to a child. If you are, you said you were willing earlier. If you are willing to make room for Jesus this Christmas, would you just slip your hand up right now? Just making room for Jesus, that's all. All right. Let's make room for Jesus in our hearts. Let's make room for Jesus in, in our focus on him. And let us make room for Jesus in our lives. Man, we need him so bad. But here's the second question. By opening up our hearts, opening up our homes maybe, Certainly opening up our lives to others. If you're willing, and you said you were willing this morning. If you're willing to make...